Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. The weather is unreliable and often unpredictable. Anyone who has grumbled at the weatherman's forecast knows this. But increasingly, environmentalists demand that only the weather can generate the electricity that modern people need to maintain their standard of living. Zero emissions is not enough. My colleague Ken Braun, who joins me today, extensively categorized the scale of environmentalist opposition to zero emission nuclear energy. Uh, Ken, welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be back. So, uh, tell us, tell me about why. Set the stage. Why? Does Big Green, which supposedly cares a great deal about carbon emissions and about their potential, of, you know, their effects on climate change, why don't they like nuclear energy? That would seem to be a, a an easy an easy approach. Uh, well, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of factors that go into that. Some of them um, not, not very uh, honest, and some of them are just plain ignorance. Um, the Simpsons is the longest-running scripted television show in American history. It begins every episode with what can only be described as some very funny but very um, exaggerated anti-nuclear propaganda. Um, not exaggerated; it's just a flat-out, you know, fal- falsity. Um, and- nuclear fuel rod. Nuclear fuel rods are not glowing green sticks that get attached to workers' backsides by once the shift alarm sounds. <laughs> and nuclear workers are not are, are generally very well paid, highly competent people. Not Homer Simpson. So yeah, it, it, that that <laughs> I think a lot of um, a lot of it is traded on that. Um, there's also a, a very Malthusian cast to it. There, you know, the, the Amory Lovins, the founder of the Rocky Mountain Institute, one of um, the the uh, anti-nuclear, one of the climate nonprofits with an anti-nuclear agenda that I tabulated in my uh, um, you, you estimate. May, our, our listeners may remember Rocky Mountain Institute as the people who want to ban gas stoves. Gas stoves, and, and yes, they've been. Uh, Amory has been a prophet of the anti-nuclear left since the seventies. Um, was once asked about what his problem with nuclear. And this is back in the seventies, before the 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 carbon concerns were really getting rolling. And he said, "You know, what, what's wrong with nuclear energy? It's clean. It's 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 the future, whatnot." And he said, and he didn't agree with the premise, but said, "I think something on the order of if we." ever came up with a clean, inexpensive, abundant source of energy, that would be nothing short of terrible because of what we might do with it, meaning we may create more things, more prosperity, the world would grow, which of course it has even without a nuclear Right. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been for my sins, I've been diving into some of the more, uh, you know that our listeners may be familiar with the return where the U is a V meme. Uh, right. You know the the people who want to go back. Uh, you know they they think that you know we could go back to the the economy of the nineteen fifties, the economy of the nineteen sixties. You see these people; it's classic horseshoe theory. You've got you know people obviously on the socialist left, the sort of Bernie Sanderses of the world. You've got people on the nationalist right, uh, author Sarah Bamari, probably most prominently these days. Um, and uh, what 
kind of they fail to realize is that it all went off the rails in the 70s. And one of the reasons it went off the rail in the 70s, basically everywhere. You know, there, there's a reason that it wasn't just that, you know, Reagan appears in the in the late 70s in the U.S. And, you know, then we all you know wander down the 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 siren track of the free mar- of free market, quote unquote, neoliberalism, you know, you know, everywhere from France, West Germany, Japan, United Kingdom, uh, you know, the rest of the Anglosphere, you know, all the sort of clean, uh, you know, clean story of the post-war, you know, New Deal, Great Society, Social Democracy, it all went off the rails in that decade. Mm -hmm. And a great deal of why it went off the rails is because the, uh, you know, energy, which had been so cheap as to be practically free, uh, all of a sudden wasn't. The, Mm -hmm. the oil, the oil shocks, um, was that the formation of OPEC? Yes. Well, it was. Yeah. I, I believe OPEC formed shortly after. I mean, the, we may be delving into areas we shouldn't be with uh, expertise, but I'm pretty sure OPEC formed in response to the Arab-Israeli War of 1973. And, yeah, and then, uh, and then you had, and then you had the embargo, and then you had the embargo, and it all gets it all gets very messy, and energy starts being something that we have to to watch watch out for, just because we're not sure if it'll be available. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would think that if you were a, a progressive, if you were a liberal who wanted to bring back the new, you know, the sort of New Deal, uh, thirty glo- France's 30 Glorious Years, Britain's Sunlit Uplands, the, the West German Wirtschaftswunder, that, well, a limitless supply of, of effectively free energy would be great. But these environmentalists say no. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting you bring up the left. Um, the left in France has been, you know, historically anyway, uh, the Green Party probably is, is a bad example. Um, the environmental left versus the the old, the, the conventional um, Marxist uh, class-based left. The Marxist class-based left, the trade union, you know, the, the heavy left trade unions and whatnot in France were very pro-nuclear, which is one of the reasons that France was able to uh, – to develop, you know, complete in response to that era you're speaking of in the '70s with the energy shocks and the oil shocks, France, with limited energy resources of its own, decided, hey, the, the nuclear power is functionally limitless as an energy source. Um, let's, you know, build a bunch of these plants, and they did over a really short period of time, a decade or so, ramped up to at one point. 70 plus percent of their electricity about 10 years ago is coming from uh, nuclear energy, still well over 60 percent. Um, and it's it's a remarkable I mean, Germany has been holding out as the climate left's heroic nation of the energy transition. The energy Venda, I believe, is how it's pronounced in, in German. Um, France was the energy transition nation. I mean, they showed. And, and, and of course, to- and of course, the German energy transition uh, now has them mining the dirty brown coal uh, exactly once once again the when they're not when they're not mining uh cobalt and and minerals and such as that in in the democratic republic of the condo wherever they get them from with child labor and building the solar panels in china with slave labor and and doing just terrible you know and then planting solar panels in germany i looked this up uh just to see how silly this was Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is on the northern end of Lake Superior, 
gets about as much average sunlight as every city in Germany. I mean, and as the name would imply, Thunder Bay is not someplace where the sun shines all the time. And uh, and the during the six months of the of the fall winter, uh, I suspect the the daylight hours are not many. They they are not. And 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 there's another you know celestial mechanics dictates that that the sun doesn't shine almost at some point every day, everywhere. <laughs> so. <laughs> um. So, you, you again, you would think that there's this, that there's this almost, I mean, not free, but there, there, there's this relatively socially non-destructive way out of this environmental problem that these environmentalist groups are pointing out. But the environmentalist groups are against it. Who are they? And is this an ideological thing? Yeah, I think... Um... There's a, there's the so we've covered the Malthusian end of it, the Amory Levin's perspective. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a financial aspect to it. Well, and that wouldn't be surprised. There is definitely a financial aspect to it. I'm going through the Rocky Mountain Institute's donor list right now, and I'm finding more than a few interested parties, shall we say, who are who are um, you know Enel Green Power is giving them money. There's a there's a lot of people who really have a vested interest in building solar panels and wind turbines and not allowing nuclear plants to, you know, knock them out. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is we have a, the, the, the inflation, the horribly named inflation reduction act, the estimate of the energy subsidies from that may go as high as a trillion dollars. I mean, we shouldn't be subsidizing energy with a trillion dollars of it, you know, in any case, but if that were to be switched over to, you know, if the political winds shifted or the policy winds shifted and we said, you know what, we're just going to spend all that building nuclear power plants, they'd probably get their goal accomplished. But it would be at the cost of all of these wind and solar companies and investors who are running around like mad right now trying to catch diamonds in a bucket. So I think there's a financial interest in it. Um, to your other question, the top, um, let's do the top five World Wildlife Fund, uh, $382 million annual revenue at the most recent number. World Resources Institute, $290 million. Environmental Defense Fund, $285. Natural Resources Defense Council, $186. Sierra Club, the uh, kind of the original old guard uh, super anti-nuclear group, still with one of the most strident positions, $152 million. And like, um, I don't know if we covered this yet, the, the, the work I did on this, ran through more than 150, more than 160 of these groups um, that I could identify a recent budget for, totaled $2.3 billion, and that's a conser- uh, annual revenue. Very conservative estimate because there's a whole lot of stuff I left out of the number. And Robert Bryce, a, the great energy uh, uh, analyst, uh, writer, journalist, I should say, Robert took this number and calculated the pro-nuclear groups that he could find and came up with a 14 to 1 funding disparity. And if you just take the top 10 groups on his list, um, you know, the Nuclear Energy Institute was the top one. The Manhattan Institute is on the list. Their total spending, those top 10 groups, all of them put together, have a total revenue, annual annual revenue of $162 million. Like I said, the lowest of the top five is the Sierra Club, $152 million all by itself. So 
the top five individually, almost all of them nearly outspent the top 10 put together of on is, the other side. That is a stark disparity. They're getting destroyed. I mean, and, and that's not counting. I mean, there's some, there's some pro-nuclear groups that get a lot of press because they're just really plucky groups like Mothers for Nuclear, Californians for a Green Nuclear Deal. As Robert wrote, they run on, you know, shoestring budgets. These are just local people who who get the right idea in their head and, and want to go out. There. And some of them are lefties. I mean, they're just lefties that understand that whether. Yeah, I was, I was going to I was going to ask, like, we know about groups like Michael Schellenberger's Environmental Progress that are mm-hmm. one, know, left, yeah. lefty, but lefty, but pro-nuclear. Are there any of them are any of the major environmentalist groups that our listeners might have heard of at least anti anti nuclear <laughs> um so actually a uh, the um the nature conservancy which has they are a climate focused group only in the sense that, i guess they're the original environmentalist idea they buy it upland and protect it for for they, um they conserve it as nature <laughs> Right, they can, and they do it with largely private money, and and they have a, a you know, a, a, that's their. They have, um, a proposal to radically increase the amount of nuclear energy reuse. So they are, and they have a, they're a very good sized organization. So I would call them, um, I would call them a pro nuclear inclined group just because of mm-hmm. that policy. Um, you know when you square them against, you know, all of the, the others that I've listed that either have, in the case of the Sierra Club, both demonstrable actions and a strident, I mean, they, I forget the phrasing, but they say, you know, resolutely opposed to nuclear energy is how they say it. And and then groups like the World Resources Institute, where I identified them giving an award to a couple of anti-nuclear activists in South Africa who, um, blocked a deal that they said would have been one of the largest um, nuclear deals in history back in 2018. Uh, you know, so World Wildlife Fund similarly has, as you know, most of these groups have joined on to mm-hmm. resolutions sent to the U.S. Congress saying, you know, don't do it. And what's interesting, so, go ahead. Oh, no, I fin- finished, finish your statement. I'm going to go on a, on a different track. So I listed the top five there. What's fascinating is also in is some of the groups that, really aren't conventionally thought of as climate advocacy groups that have an anti-nuclear position for no discernibly good, consistent ideological reason. The NAACP passed a resolution, an anti-nuclear resolution in 2018 saying it shouldn't be considered in any Green New Deal type of proposal, uh, you know, called a dirty energy. What's the NAACP doing playing around with nuclear energy? I mean, you would think something that would create jobs and for everyone but yeah, you, you, would, th- you I, would think I, it, you I would think it, you would think employment and cheap energy would be something that a an old-fashioned liberal group would like and if your agenda is to lift up a certain group that has been historically disadvantaged which is clearly what the actual agenda of the NAACP would do shutting off any form of reliable energy is antithetical to that mission. It's shocking that they're on board there, but they're not the only one. League of Women Voters also has anti-nuclear positions. So, and, you know, there's more than 230 groups I have on the list. Um, I couldn't identify budgets for like 60 or 70 of them. But, um, you know, 
what's what are they doing having anti-nuclear positions that that's that's a an odd piece of the list and um so anyway. so i guess i guess here like the devil's advocate position would be something like waving your arms around and saying the word chernobyl a bunch uh yes. like why you know why how does nuclear energy compare in terms of I mean, obviously, when things go as wrong as they can possibly go, when it's run by communists and the, you know, they aren't telling the workers what could possibly go wrong, so the workers don't know what not to do, can go very badly wrong. But, you know, with yes. if you're not in that sort of right. uh, so perfect storm Soviet, of awfulness. <laughs> the, the Soviet Union managed to put Homer Simpson not only in charge of the plant, but in charge of building the plant at the same time, and in charge of the... The uh, the official response and cover up and all of that. So yes, exactly every possible way you could do it wrong, um, and it was bad. It's not going to happen here or in any functionally intelligent democracy that exists with nuclear energy. Now the French are never going to make this mistake. They simply don't have the stupid reactors that would have done it. Accepting all of that, Chernobyl, absolute worst possible you know outcome. The death toll that's been estimated from Chernobyl, I, I can't remember exactly what I had the number down to, but the number of coal miners that die, like something like 30 first responders died at the scene in Chernobyl. The number of coal miners that die in a given year in just the United States alone up until recently, but for decades going back, that was an annual death toll. Coal mining is absolutely a brutal, difficult way to get energy and, and as a safety matter. There's a lot of things we do that aren't safe, but we need, that being one of the people buying car accidents, obviously. So nuclear energy's safety factor, even baking in the worst case scenario like Chernobyl, is still the safest, reliable form of energy available per kilowatt hour created. It's safer than coal, natural gas, oil mining, the whole oil... Um, yeah, drilling my, 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 my understanding is the two worst by, by a lot. the two worst incidents in the west which would be Fukushima Daiichi after the after the earthquake and then Three Mile Island mm -hmm. uh, Three Mile Island killed either like both combined I think you can count the casualties on one hand is that correct oh uh, yeah so small caveat the panic over the danger of radiation caused them to hastily evacuate people from the Fukushima area when they really didn't need to do it, at least in a hasty way. The evacuation procedures killed a lot, you know, a, a fair number of people, even if, but still, even if you bake those into the total statistic, nuclear still comes out as vastly safer than every other form of energy. But if you want to just talk radiation illnesses, zero at three mile Island and one person at Fukushima who died years later from a lung cancer or something to the effect that they, they attributed to it. So yes, you cannot, you can count it on one hand. Um, if you've cut off four of your, you can, you know, give it a thumbs up with four, four of your fingers missing and you can count the radiation deaths from the two worst nuclear accidents in American or in Western, in, in the West, in, in competent nuclear uh, design and development history, um, and yeah, I mean, the, the blowout at the, um, the oil rig that blew up in the Gulf a few years ago, the, you know, that how many people died there? There's a, 
you know, a, a, da- a, a hydro dam in China that collapsed back in, I think, the 70s. And there's 100,000 or so deaths in just that one incident. Um, yeah, nuclear energy is incredibly safe. And um, we over it. And we over-design our reactors in the United States because of it. Yeah, because and because I, we because we know what could go wrong. We do it's I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like aviation. You take, you know, there's a bunch of redundancies because you know that if you run through all your redundancies, bad things happen. So you build in lots of redundancies. Yeah, living next to a nuclear plant is actually safer than aviation. If you fly in an airplane, you're being exposed to more radiation than than living near one of the working in one of these facilities so yeah uh so where i i mean where do you think this leads because there has been some interesting like i think didn't california like california kept one of its nuclear plants online recently yes you know there's been some you know there's been some again even among progressives uh at least recognition that they need existing nuclear capacity. And then, you know, Georgia just brought on America's first new nuclear reactor in how long? Like decades? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think there, there's been two in the last 20 years or something like that. And the Vogel one that just went online um, last year. Uh, or last so, do, so I mean, so, I mean, do we do, do you, do you think that, you know, despite that 14 to one, uh, or more uh, discrepancy that just the, the necessities of getting reliable electricity to people are going to move to get more uh, policymakers and utility companies looking at nuclear. So the example you cited from Germany earlier is that they're they're overspending, you know, on the on the unreliable energy systems eventually led them to go back to burning coal and, you know, dirty coal, brown coal. Um, We're a little further down that learning curve right now. And if we continue spending on all of these, we're going to end up with the same grid problems and and things that have forced the Germans back to not just conventional hydrocarbon energies, but some of the dirtiest ones. I wouldn't be... I would hope that if they really want the zero carbon energy, they would develop, you know, devote their subsidies to the nuclear stuff that would work. I suspect we're just going to find ourselves, you know, the cynic in me sees us burning a lot more natural gas and uh, which we have and can do. And we have lots and lots of coal. So, you know, at, at some point we need the lights on. I, I, and I think that, you know, some of the problems. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, it's, I mean, it's the same thing with the, you know, so, call with the calls to phase out gasoline cars. It's like when it actually comes to that, are you going to turn the lights off? Are you actually going to make it right. so that people can't drive? Uh, and there, there may be there may be political and economic consequences if you do that. <laughs> the thing that gives me hope um, would be that there are. I mean, I I began this journey with Michael Schellenberger um, reading his book and Bryce's book, Robert Bryce's book, for that matter. And um, they both are working very, you know, from a more uh, policy independent perspective to. Uh, uh, you know, policy specific perspective, capital research is not a policy group um, to shame these organizations into changing their, just getting out of the way and mm-hmm. dropping their resistance to nuclear power. Um, 
that's kind of what I'm, you know, my objective here is with, with our mission of, of exposing the money going into it. And actually I should point out who funds some of these guys as well in a second here. So yeah, creating that, creating that level of shame and, and holding their hypocrisy up to the world and themselves. Um, you know, I would love to, if you're listening, World Wildlife Fund, uh, EDF, NRDC, Sierra, you know, Rocky Mountain, the rest of them, and you want to get off the list, we would, we would, we will send out a news nothing, release. Saying, nothing, uh, nothing, nothing will make Ken Braun happier than take than a than one of them, one of the anti-nuclear groups seeing the light and being removed from the list. <laughs> the, 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 yes, the, the. The Capital Influence Watch is, is proud to announce that the Sierra Club has told us that they are no longer um, opposing nuclear energy and, in fact, are dedicating, you know, their annual budget of $150 million to, to subsidizing new nuclear. I mean, $2.3 billion a year, uh, you can, you know at the rate it takes to build reactors right now because of all the regulations and panic about them, $2.3 billion a year could, you know, get you another Vogel reactor in a decade or so. So, um, yeah, let's, 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 let's shame them and encourage them, carrot sticks, whatever works. So that's, that's the, the pleasant. That's, that's, that's the dream. <laughs> that, that's the dream. All right. Uh, Ken, is there anything else that you'd like to promote before I let you go? Um, I would like to promote our, uh, we have an Influence Watch page called Opposition to Nuclear Energy, where all of what we've been talking about in a full list of the groups, which is always growing bigger as I keep tripping over more of them. This is a really uh, just stunningly large number of uh, nonprofits that think that this is a, a, an intelligent position. Something else you'll find at that page, however, is something we haven't touched on, but we, you know, uh, is in, just as important, the funding nonprofits, the major left-leaning donor nonprofits that give significant money to these groups. Um, the largest ones are the Bloomberg Philanthropies, Michael Bloomberg's uh, charitable uh, investment arm, Fred Stanback, uh, I, you know, the Foundation uh, for the Carolinas is his donor. Big, Malth- big Malthusian guy. Major Malthusian guy. Uh, he has a, so there, uh, the MacArthur Foundation, um, one of the just possibly craziest left-leaning major uh, foundations out there. Um, the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation, the Harold Friends from Arabella, the 1630 Fund, and the Tides Foundation are the, are the large ones on our list there. All right. Well, thanks again to my colleague Ken Braun for joining me. We will include links to his work on the anti-nuclear energy empire in today's show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage listeners to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week. 